Morning. It'd be a great help if you could keep that passage open, page one two one four. Let's pray as we start. Lord God, we do uh, thank you and praise you for your word. And we ask this morning that you would speak to us by your Spirit uh, through it, that we may be doers uh, as well as hearers of your word. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. This church, Trinity, is riddled with gossip, backstabbing, and harsh and angry words. How do I know that? Because I know myself, and because I've been a Christian long enough to know what Christians are like. This week we saw, didn't we, two uh, senior politicians trapped by hidden microphones, seemingly offering contacts uh, for cash. Whole careers come crashing down through off-the-record remarks that end up being on the record. Why? Because what we say at unguarded moments reveals our true selves far more than any pre-prepared, polished statement. So that's what they're really like, we say. No wonder Abraham Lincoln said this, I would rather remain silent and be thought a fool than speak out and remove all doubt. The power of speech, the power to reveal what we are really like, the power to influence others for good or ill, power that can be awesome, says James, in its destructive ability. We've seen, haven't we, that the book of James is a crusade for single-minded Christians who will be totally dedicated to growing into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And James wants to shake us up from thinking that we can have a Jesus faith without a Jesus lifestyle to match. Because there is always, always the danger for the Christian of what James describes as our double-mindedness. Our claim to be going God's way and obeying him, yet all the time actually going our own way, doing what we want. And one of the most significant areas of double-mindedness is our tongues. Speech is is a theme that threads itself through the letter of James. It's something that James identifies back in verse 26 of chapter 1. If you look back, verse 26, chapter 1, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a t- tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. There is the flag. And here in chapter 3, James hones in on this crucial issue in searing detail. I think there are three things that we can uh, pull out of this passage this morning. And the first one uh, is this. It is a significance of the tongue, the significance of the tongue. Perhaps you're inclined to wonder, is is speech really such a big deal? Surely with all this kind of strong and fiery language, James has just melodramatically blown the whole issue out of all proportion. Well, if you look at verses 1 and 2, they teach us why speech matters so much. Look at the picture of the perfect man in verse 2. If anyone is never at fault in what he says... He is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Do you see the measure of spiritual maturity that is referred to in the perfect man is that he does not stumble in the area of speech. He's able to be controlled in that part of his life. That is the perfect man. And James infers that this means he's able to discipline all the other parts of his life as well. So if every part of the body is to be brought under Christ's control, 
then James says the tongue, it is a great place to start. So control of our speech is not just a measure or barometer of our spiritual maturity, it is a means towards greater spiritual maturity. James says that single-minded, godly living in this area will help us to become more like the Lord Jesus in the other areas of our lives. Speech is key. It affects our whole being. And the greater the influence, the more significant this is. That is what is behind the warning in verse 1 to those who presume to be teachers in the church, in any part of church life. God is a speaking God. Words matter. So Christian teachers who proclaim God's saving words, who tell others what to believe, how to live, they cannot be double-tongued, hypocritical people. They will face greater scrutiny. It is an awesome responsibility. Teachers need our prayers. Just, just notice at the outset that the goal of becoming Christ-like is not reached by kind of ticking off some sort of list of moral uh, commands or sporadically trying to pathetically turn over a new leaf that goes wrong. The perfect man means a man who is complete. Someone who has reached that end goal of being Christ-like. And that flows from a character that is formed by the generous love of God towards us in Jesus Christ. God towards us. So the challenge here is not to kind of self-improve our behaviour in an attempt to please God. Rather, the challenge is to live a life that God has in his grace given us to lead. And James is just saying speech is a key ingredient uh, in that. So just right at the outset, take the tongue, take speech seriously. It matters. And it matters because, secondly, the power of the tongue the power of the tongue. If you look at verses 3 to 6, we have this picture, don't we, of the awesome power of the tongue built up for us. And we see three illustrations James uses, and they show us the problem is an issue of control. It is all about control. So in verse 3, we've got this illustration of the horse, haven't we? A large, powerful, stamping, snorting animal. But it has to be controlled, And that is done by a small and seemingly insignificant bit in the mouth of the horse. And the bit can line up the whole horse. It can turn it one way or it can turn it the other way. That's what a bit does. And James is saying, look, what the bit does in the horse of the mouth will happen with the tongue in the mouth of the Christian. It will decide the course of living. Its influence is out of all proportion to its size. Or take the picture of the huge, powerful sailing ship driven by strong winds, verse 4. Look at verse 4. How's it kept under control? How's it kept off the rocks, kept safe, kept useful? By the use of a tiny rudder under the control of the pilot. A small thing controls a very large thing, and the potential for good or ill is enormous. So it is with the tongue. The tongue can declare, can't it, undying love. And it can order a summary execution. It makes great boasts. Third example is fire, verse 6. Look at verse 6. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. 
So just as one smouldering cigarette in an Australian Australian forest can lead to weeks of devastation, so one person's speech set on fire by hell can be the spark that destroys a career, a child, a marriage, a church. Many of us will have deep and unhappy wounds that can be traced back to foolish unkind, ignorant words spoken in the past by parents, husbands, teachers, colleagues, other Christians, sadly. Wrong words at the wrong moment can be devastating for a whole life, take a lifetime to work through, burn up whole areas of life. All of the evil characteristics of our world Greed, envy, jealousy, they find expression in the sins of speech. The tongue, it may be small, but it is a world of evil among the parts of the body. I wonder, do you notice that James doesn't focus on the effect that our words have on others, though? Rather, he focuses on the effect the words have on ourselves, ourselves. So look at verse 6. It, the tongue corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Our entire personality can be polluted by our speech. The word James uses for corrupt literally means stain. Our speech stains us like a tattoo. This is about the whole of me. If unchecked, our tongues are sparks that can turn our lives into a raging bushfire that will destroy the word of God in us. And James makes clear, this is the work of hell. This is what Satan will do. He will attack and use our lips if we allow him to. So do you see, the problem of control is that there is no control. That is a point James is making in verses 7 to 8. Animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures, they can all be tamed. We can train chimps to drive, use pigeons as a postal service, make killer whales perform dodgy circus acts. The tongue, forget it. No matter how hard we try, we cannot control the tongue, verse 8. No man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Maybe you're thinking, well, you know what, I'm the quiet sort. I don't say much, I keep my counsel become a monk, live in silence. That's not going to work. Even if you don't use Facebook or email or Twitter, you're still going to have the inner voice in your head, slagging people off, expressing rage, lying to you, convincing you that sin is good and can be justified. Mental conversations, they direct lives too. Careless talk costs lives. If you criticise the church, if you criticise Christian people in the walls of your own home, don't expect your children to have any interest in spiritual things. Because the words are poison. And a deadly drug does not need a large dose. One or two drops is enough to kill. A word or two is enough. Just an innuendo, a prayer request that actually slates another person. Lives are destroyed 
Friendship's ruined. Mind's poisoned. Church fellowship is fractured by criticism, gossip, exaggeration. The tongue has great power and the problem is one of control. No man can tame it. So it is all lost. It is a rather bleak picture, isn't it? Well, no, James wants us to face up to what our speech discloses so we can do something about it. And all is not lost if we understand, third, the source of our tongue, the source of our tongue. I think this passage has got to be a devastating blow to any sense of complacency we have about our speech, because so often we're quick to justify our speech, aren't we? I'm tired. The kids have been a nightmare. The dog's just died. Work is stressful. I've got lots on my mind. You provoke me. It's only intended to be a joke. I'm, I'm just that sort of person. I'll put my foot in it. This is not about some kind of external force beyond us. This is not about lack of sleep or money or love or a dodgy upbringing or a, or a tough life. This is the inner heart and will of man. It is the problem of our innate sinfulness. That is what lies at the heart of our speech. And James says there is no human therapy that can solve it. That is the point that he drives home in verses 9 to 12. Just look at verse 9. With a tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. Christians, they do both things. One minute we're singing happy songs to God in church. An hour later we get carved up at a junction on the way home in our car by somebody in a nicer car than us. What do you do? The fact the other person is made in God's image is probably the last thing on your mind as you grumble and curse them. They didn't know you on the way back from church, why would they? But God sees, God knows, he identifies hypocrisy for what it is. So no wonder James says in verse 10, my brothers, this should not be. It is totally inappropriate, inconsistent, hypocritical. Our tongue should not be an instrument of praise to God one moment and cursing of people the next. That is a point James makes in verses 11 and 12. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The polluted source will always corrupt and contaminate fresh water. You can't have fresh water and salt water from the same source. If they mix, you get what? Salt water. It should not, it cannot be like this. It is as ludicrous as a raspberry bush producing mangoes. So what is James saying? There's a problem with the source. And the source is the heart. Do you remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 12? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The tongue only speaks what is going on in our heart. And the real problem is there's a battle, isn't there, going on in our hearts. A double-minded talk reveals a double-minded heart. 
We want to go God's way and praise him, and yet we can't help but use our tongues for evil. We slander others because we have a slanderous heart. We lie because we have lying hearts. We cut people down because we're jealous or we're hateful. Our speech reveals what is in our hearts, and no man can contain it. So the question as we finish is this. How can the source be purified? Answer, only by God. Only the creator God is able to change a dirty water source to a clean and refreshing spring. Only God is able to perform spiritual heart surgery and give us a new life. How will he do that? From the wisdom that comes from above, as we'll see next week. But for now, just remember what James says in verse 5 of chapter 1, which we looked at at the very beginning of this series. Verse 5, chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So if we're concerned about our speech, we need to turn to God. We need to ask for God's wisdom in this area. Only a renewed heart can produce pure speech. Only a heart where Jesus is really Lord can produce a tongue under his control. Three very brief applications as we end. First, we need to examine our lives honestly, don't we? Look at our patterns of speech. Face up to our double-mindedness. Take it seriously. Don't settle for a double-minded tongue. Our speech is crucial to our Christian living. Second, we need to confess faults where we find them. Where we've got patterns of sinful speech, we need to come to God and confess. If you're prone to exaggerate, be cynical, harsh, discouraging, sarcastic, negative, angry, to lie even, then we need to turn to God in true repentance. Confess our faults before him. Humble ourselves before him. And then third, we need to claim Christ's forgiveness. The forgiveness that is freely offered to us through the cross. And we can rejoice, can't we, that as Christians we have the Holy Spirit in us, living in us, refining us, shaping us, progressively and increasingly transforming us into the likeness of Jesus Christ, the perfect man, the man on whose lips there was no deceit. It's only by him, by through his spirit, changing us from the inside, that we'll be any different. Amen.